Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. With Brian Siegel, I'm Curtis Wilson. Tonight, we have a very special guest. Former Hokie offensive lineman and current Hanover Hawk assistant football coach, Austin Cannon. Hey, Austin. How you doing tonight, bud? Pretty good, man. How you doing? Oh, can't complain. Thanks for jumping on with us here. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. How's uh, how's your day been? Oh, man, it's been long. Uh, been up since 5 a.m. and, you know, just working, getting ready for the season. Now, have y'all already started camp up at Hanover um, or is this uh, – or is it next week? Uh, no, we start Monday. Uh, tomorrow we, we finish up our summer workouts with, you know, Big Squat Friday and – uh, the conditioning the tradition so. continues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Nice, man. What's y'all's first game? Are y'all playing Labor Day weekend as well, or are y'all a little later than that? I believe we got uh, September 1st or 2nd. Okay. Um, and we're home against Monacan, So. Oh, okay. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a great, great matchup. Um, you know, that – they had some players last year, um, but you know we'll we'll see what they got. And you know we have a lot of momentum, you know, coming in from that spring season. And you know the, the guys are excited, the staff is excited, so you know we're we're ready to go. So you were coaching in the spring. I know um, you know you you had a big decision, kind of as last season wrapped up. Um, was was getting into to coaching kind of your plan in college, or was that something that just kind of presented yourself as you were kind of taking those next steps? I mean, I knew all along that I was going to coach. Um, you know, I kind of you know figured it out when you know, it was my senior year in high school. Um, started coaching uh, Hanover Warriors like ten U, and uh, you know I really enjoyed it, and you know that kind of gave me the idea. It was like. Hey, I know football is going to end one day, um, and to, for me to continue to be involved in the game, um, you know, coaching was definitely you know something in my future. Awesome. I hear that, yeah, man. Love, love to hear that. So, that, so that sounds like you've probably thought about it even before that, which is unbelievable. And now, you know, getting a chance to go out there, you know, shape some football here in the RVA. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask this. What is it like working for the head coach of the Hanover Hawks, Sam Rogers? You know, guy you obviously probably played against in high school and mm-hmm. then played with up at Virginia Tech. Yeah. You know, I mean, Sam's a great guy. I mean, there's, you know, Hanover High School, you know, they did a great job, you know, in hiring him and, you know, what he's trying to do with that program and, you know, it, it's unbelievable, you know, and, um, you know, I, I trust what he's doing, you know, me and him have the same mentality, you know, kind of bringing that Virginia tech, you know, mentality to that program. And, um, you know, we're wired the same way. And, uh, so just that cohesiveness and that, you know, relationship, you know, I think it's awesome. You know, I couldn't ask for a better head coach, you know, to start out my coaching career. So, are y'all doing some similar things that uh, y'all were doing in Blacksburg, or is it kind of a mix of different philosophies and schemes? Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's very similar what we ran. Um, 
you know, at Tech, um, you know, in terms of like the spread offense and things like that. And, you know, he's brought like his own little twist, you know, some things, um, you know, when he was in the league for a little bit, mm-hmm. that little bit of time he was in there. And, uh, you know, just his football IQ is like, it's impeccable, you know. And he's such a smart football player and now a football coach. And, you know, I'm kind of like learning the ropes, you know, in terms of the whole grand scheme of things. Cause you know, for most of my life, I was just worried about that, that box, that front seven, you know, I didn't really have to worry about the defense <laughs> like that, but you know, now I kind of have to, you know, pay attention to those things. Cause um, you know, I recently got, you know, put on as a role of the JV, you know, offense coordinator. So, um, you know, he's been working with me the past, you know, two and a half months. Um, You know, we meet every Thursday and, you know, he's kind of teaching me all the passing concepts and, you know, we're talking about receivers and DBs, defensive coverages and all that kind of stuff. I was like, (laughs) okay. A little crash course, right? (laughs) Yeah, a little crash course. And so, you know, I've been studying up on it and, you know, I'm excited to take on that new role. It's a new challenge and, you know, I love new challenges and, you know, it's going to make me grow and be a better football coach. Well, well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm almost ready to have you back in like five or six weeks after you've uh, called some of those JV games just to hear what's going on and hear some of your play calls from your sheet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, so obviously today was first day of fall camp for the Virginia Tech Hokies. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the pictures. We're seeing everybody seems happy today. Day one, right? So me and Brian were talking. We wanted to kind of ask you as a player, what was the part of the camp you looked forward to the most? But then what was the kind of – what was the dread day? What was the day, you know, you hit like day seven and you know day eight is this and it's like, Got to get it over with, but not looking forward to it. So, what was the favorite day first? Mm. Favorite favorite day was probably obviously you got to go with first day of pads. There we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, we we open it up. We always open it up first day of pads with a hoagie drill. You know, um, and it's a competition. You know, between running backs, linebackers, and wide receivers, DBs, O line, D line, and you know, eventually, you know, Fuente will get us all in a circle, you know, and he'll have the two bags in the middle and, you know, he'll call out, you know, a specific guy from each side of the ball and, you know, and we'll go at it and, you know, we keep score. There we go. Tell you, you know, <laughs> offensive line got got that winning record. So there we go. <laughs> proud, proud to be on the you, winning side you, of that. You got to keep the pride there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a prideful guy. So, um, but yeah, and you know, with the days that I dreaded it, I would say more of towards the end of camp, okay, you know, when you're like so close to the season, you know, and like you can almost taste it, and you're like, all right, like I've been going up against the same dude, you know, <laughs> twice a day, yep, you know, for <laughs> however many weeks, and I'm just like. I want someone different, you know? <laughs> so uh, that's definitely, you know, that part is what I dreaded the most. But, you know, I mean, it flies by 
so fast. Uh, we have a question here from one of our uh, listeners tonight, Hokey Farm, Hokey Pharmacist. Jeremy, shout out. <laughs> Name somebody that had to go up against Silas one time. <laughs> who had who had to go up against Silas? Yeah. In a hoagie drill? In the hoagie yeah. drill. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, you had Emmanuel Belmar. You had um, you, know, you had Justice Reed. You got oh yeah, uh, Jared Hewitt. I mean, pretty much everybody that you've seen play on the defensive line, you know, has had a piece of Silas. And let me tell you, Silas is <laughs> – Silas is Silas. I mean, that, he's that's a big boy. <laughs> Mountain of a man. All right, so so I want to ask this, and if you, if you don't want to talk about former teammates, don't. Who is the person when Fuente would call their name that you're sitting there like, man, I, I don't really want to go against him today. And I know you as a football player, y'all's mentality isn't like that, but I'm sure sometimes you heard a name and it was like, I don't want to do this drill with him, but got to go out there and fight it. Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm never, you know, scared of any man. But it, you know, to answer to answer your question, uh, you know, I would ha- I would definitely have to go with Tim Settle. Um, <laughs> just, uh, I mean, you, like we're just talking about big guys. Like this is a big guy yeah. podcast interview. So exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you know, Tim was always fun to go up against, and you know, it was always a challenge. But, you know, when you've gone and done maybe about three, four hokey drills, you know, and all of a sudden you get called into the you know the big circle and you got to go up against uh, Tim Saddle, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, but there's always one dude that like, you know, you don't back away from it. You're not you're not afraid of him. You're like, I know I'm going to feel this once I hit him. I, yeah. I know I am. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's just, you know. I think he was what, like three thirty, yeah, ish or so. Like you know, and he's obviously trimmed down a lot since he's been in the league. It's such a low center of gravity too. Like you can't, yeah. you can't get underneath him either. Like no, it, and it's so hard. <laughs> and like if you miss with your hands, you know, if your hands go outside, and I mean, you're just screwed. <laughs> <laughs> All that power, the low center of gravity, that strength. I mean, like you really have to have your technique down to a T, you know, to compete with Tim. So that's good to know. And obviously Tim really doing well for himself. And you had quite a few guys that were there during your time there. So it's cool to hear those type of stories um, from you Mm -hmm. uh, with this. And, and by the way, last year we had John McLaughlin on again, teammate of yours. And it must be an O-line thing because Brian, if you don't recollect, it was he, the, it was it was some sort of drill he didn't like was like what he looked forward to first day of pads, yep. but he was with you. It was near the end. He's like that's when you start dreading it because I'm hitting the same guys, but you're also hitting your teammates. Mm-hmm. It's almost that feeling of I want someone across from me that is not wearing maroon and orange, and yeah. I want to take it out on them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I love that mentality because y'all are all brothers there, and it's finally. Hey, we've practiced. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, but he kept saying, I can't wait for mock game. I can't wait for mock game. That's what he kept saying, like, towards oh, the end. Like, when when is mock game? Yeah, mock, mock game, uh, you know, that, that's really fun. And, you know, 
you know, we take it very, very seriously. But in terms of like having a physical toll on your body, it's like one of the easiest days out of the camp schedule, you know. Um, and it's but it's more mental than anything. Okay. Um, you know, it's basically like a dress rhearsal from the you know, right before we uh you know get on the bus with the Friday walkthrough to, you know, pretend, you know, we're getting on the bus to how we're gonna conduct Friday meetings and you know, Saturday morning meal, you know, for breakfast and you know, kind of like the pregame meal and pregame meetings, you know, kind of pick me up talks and stuff like that. And so, you know, it that's what I love too, how how everything was so organized and you know, how serious it was. You know, and uh you know, I think that's you know kudos to Coach Fuente and his staff and how they run things and um, you know, and it, it's freaking awesome. Very nice to hear. Well, before we get to more with Austin Cannon tonight, we are going to take a quick 30-second break from our digital sponsors. All right, Austin. We're going to jump back in here. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about camp opening up, kind of your, your favorite parts in, uh, of camp. But let's talk a little bit more about some of the things from 2020, um, some of the unique challenges that COVID presented, especially in regards to fall camp. What was the biggest difference about fall camp in 2020 compared to your four previous camps with the Hokies? I mean, 2020 camp was, I would say, easy. I would say it was easier, um, you know, compared to the other camps simply because of the whole COVID stuff, like the way it was formatted, you know, you couldn't really, you know, do as much, um, you know, we were limited, you know, back-to-back days and then, like, another day off, stuff like that. But when mm-hmm. we got those two days in a row, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, we went after it. Okay. You, you know, um, and we competed and, you know, got ourselves better. Um, but, I mean, if you want to compare it to the previous four, I mean, definitely the easiest, but also the longest like yeah it was so long and you know you talk about you know you're getting kind of towards the end of camp and you're dreading it and you want to go up against somebody else well like that was the ultimate test right there you know because um you know we were winding down towards the end of camp you know you had the conferences kind of contemplating whether to have a season or not you know then you had the pac 12 and big 10 but then we knew that we were having a season right that, that was a plus but then NC State had a breakout, right? They had to postpone, right? So we're, we're getting up, we're gearing up, getting ready for NC State, you know, still going through that camp schedule. But then that got postponed. Then our, you know, our focus shifted to UVA because that was week two. Then all of a sudden, outbreak happened on our team, you know? Mm-hmm. Something that we couldn't really control. If that makes sense. You know, it was inevitable. Um, and so that got postponed. Now we're kind of doing some more camp stuff, you know. So, like, it kept on getting delayed. The season kept getting delayed. So, therefore, we kind of kept with that camp schedule. And I mean, You're kind of in purgatory there for a while, then. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> it was terrible. You know, I was just, like, itching to – 
get the season started. And I mean, it just felt like two months, really. You know, but it was like a month and a half. I know something Coach Fuente mentioned in an interview uh, with Tech Sideline about a couple weeks ago. He was saying there were times at camp there were no bodies there because of protocols. Like you guys were, you know, you would have groups out, like half of this group's gone, 10 players from this group's gone. How difficult is that from your perspective now as a coach, you know, saying, how did we do that last year when we couldn't do certain drills because we don't have enough players on the field? Yeah, I mean, there there was times where, you know, we had, you know, portions of our practice kind of taken out because of the the lack of numbers. And, like, to give you an example, you know, of kind of how the next man up, you know, philosophy was, mm-hmm. you know, used. Like, we had uh, – we had Brock Hoffman and, and Hoyt, Zachariah Hoyt, you know, they had to, like, quarantine for some reason. Right. And this is when quarantine was longer than when you got infected or something. Yeah. It was something crazy. It was and 10 days if you were infected and 14 if you weren't. Yeah. It, for it, contact I mean, tracing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can take what you want about all that stuff, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't care if people disagree or agree with me or not. But, um, you know, then I had to be put in at center. And, you know, I've always snapped during pre practice and, you know, I knew how to play the position. So, you know, it wasn't nothing surprising to me. Um, but, you know, I, I was in there taking first team reps at center. And, uh, you know, Cornelson, Vice, and Fuente, you know, they were telling me how the offense didn't really skip a beat, you know, when I was in there. And, you know, that was good to hear. Um, but, you know, with me, I was just doing my job, you mm-hmm. know, doing the, best I could for the team, for myself. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's the best I can do. I mean, that's why I'm there, you know, to be a great teammate, great football player and, uh, you know, and just gave my best. So, but like, yeah, in terms of lack of numbers, like, you know, we were missing, you know, our first two centers, you know, first team, second team centers. And, you know, you got guys jumping around different positions you know, we couldn't really do like a full team kind of like scrimmage period, um, you know, sometimes. And, you know, it, it did hurt us a little bit, but it wasn't like a major setback or anything. We we found ways. We, you know, worked around it and, you know, got the most work we could. So we had a little question here from uh, from a listener here. Was there a significant amount of like cross-training, like, offense to defense uh, or was that more relegated to the skill positions versus the line or was there any of that or was it just next man up even if that next man is, is a walk-on or anything like that? I mean, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter who who it was. I mean, to, you know, have an example for that question, you know, we had uh, Tyler Matheny, you know, come in for uh, Diablo, I believe, Yeah. Uh, versus mm-hmm. Duke, you know, and he freaking balled out, man. You know, we were so happy for him when he got the interception, like that sideline erupted, you know, and so it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a walk-on scholarship guy, you know, 
you know, 20 plus game starter, you know, you know, a guy that you know, rotates or barely played. Like if you're on that depth chart, like your name could be called at any moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody, when they went to practice, you know, they were, you know, knowing that, oh, my name could be called like today or like in just like that, like an instant second. So, you know, everybody kind of took their job seriously when it came to practice because you just never know when your number was going to be called. Okay. That makes sense. So, so just the COVID landscape in general, you know, what was the hardest part to navigate? I mean, you had – I mean, I just sit here and think about it. You had football, obviously, super important. You had your own health to worry about. You had friends. You had class. You had family. What was, like, the piece that was the most difficult part for you last year going through just something no one had ever done in their entire lives? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, early on when when they kind of shut everything down, uh, you know, we were just – about to finish up uh, winter workouts and, you know, we got sent off for spring break and, you know, we're in the middle of spring break and then we're told like, Hey, like we're, we're locked down now. Like you guys might as well just stay where you're at or, you know, go home. And, you know, we were sending in some workout videos and, you know, and just trying to do what we could. And Mm -hmm. I think that was, hard because I'm like, dang, like this could be my last season, you know, or I was thinking like, this is my last season, not knowing about the uh, extra year and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, this is how it's going to go. Like, there's no way. And then eventually I think it was like, I think July or so early June is when we got to come back and, and kind of be with the team again. And, see everybody and i think you know that kind of picked everybody up you know in terms of morale and things like that um but also the testing i mean (laughs) like we're talking about sometimes i think early on it was like twice a week you know and then eventually it got ramped up to three times a week and it's like i don't want that swab up my nose one more time man um but you know that's gotta get old quick yeah, no, it did. It did. Um, so, but, you know, we had to do what we had to do in order to play a football season. And, you know, that's what was important to us, you know, is to, to have a season and play. And so we had to do whatever whatever we had to do to get it done. And, you know, but it sucked, you know. Um, but, you know, we're we're tough guys. So, you know, yeah. we, we just had to endure it and move on. So uh, I, you were talking earlier about, you know, sending in the workout videos. If I recall correctly, weren't you, uh, did you send in one pushing a truck? Yeah, that, yeah, that was my uh, 98 Ford Expedition. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, that workout, you know, has been something of mine that I've done all throughout high school. Uh, me and Alec Everly, you know, we used to, push you know our trucks i used to have a chevrolet silverado that was like my first vehicle and me and him would go at nighttime in the parking lot at atley and you know put it in neutral and you know he would steer and i would push and then we would switch and um so like i always loved pushing pushing the truck uh, it was a great workout and 
So, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to send this in and, um, you know, and I, you know, got some positive reviews, <laughs> uh, some of them, some good Ford jokes, but <laughs> deep down, I'm, I'm a Chevy guy. Um, you know, I love the square bodies. But I mean, right now I drive a Ford Edge. Uh, I ended up getting getting rid of the condition. It was getting a little worn out, but last <laughs> me all throughout college, so I'm not complaining. Okay, so somebody like, jumped on here. They want to know how far you would push the truck in the in the parking lot. Oh, in the parking like this parking lot behind the school is ginormous, like easily over a hundred yards. And if you pushed it towards the varsity practice field, it had a slight incline as you went farther and farther. So um, I would say probably about almost close to about 200 yards long. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, and so me and Alec would try to go, you know, three times, you know, each. So, um, yeah, it was it was a killer workout, but, you know, I always loved it. Shout out Jacob on that question. That was a great question. So, six hundred yards of pushing the ninety-eight Ford Expedition by Austin Cannon in the Atlee parking lot <laughs> in the RVA. Um, you mentioned it just a few minutes ago, um, Austin. You didn't know about the extra year of eligibility. Um, you know what kind of factors played into your decision to kind of pass on that opportunity? Because you know. You could you could be sitting back at camp day one, but instead you're about to get ready for your first high school coaching camp. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to say this right now. I mean, it was the hardest decision of my life. Um, you know, to – I wouldn't say to give up because I, I didn't give up. I gave everything I had to the game. Um, but to kind of close that chapter – and to open up a new one, I mean, it was kind of hard to, you know, close that chapter. But, you know, a few factors played in, you know, uh, I just turned 25 in May, you know, um, easily would have been the oldest guy in the room. Uh, fun fact, I'm actually older than Terrell Smith. <laughs> um, yeah, which is, you know, surprising because he's, you know, going on year seven. seven so so yeah. you got the doctorate too then. Though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of weighed that and, you know, I knew I had five years, you know, to give everything that I had. Um, and, you know, I came out with a bachelor's degree and a master's. So, you know, that was the most important thing to me, uh, you know, being a first generation college student and, you know, college athlete um, to kind of change the direction of, you know, my family's future. Um, you know, I take great pride in that. And, um, and you know, I also promised myself freshman year when I got there in January of 2016, you know, I said, if I don't have that burning passion, you know, when you know, we're on that winter break and, you know, it's getting close to get back to work. You know, if I don't have that burning passion, then I know it's time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because if I were to do something, I would give it 110%. You know, I'm 10 toes in and, um, you know, it wouldn't be fair to me or the coaches or my teammates, the program, everybody, if I came back and I was kind of, 50-50, or I didn't give everything that I had. 
Um, so I was either going to do it or not do it at all. And mm-hmm. when it got closer, you know, um, the coaches, they were recruiting me more than I've ever been recruited in high school in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, it was kind of neat. Um, and, you know, just, you know, listening to them and, you know, I wanted to take everybody's opinion, everybody that was important to me. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's what I decide. And, um, so it was, it kind of, you know, heard the tell them, Hey, like I'm, I'm good. I'm moving on, you know, you know, what coach Fuente and coach vice and really that whole staff, um, has done for me as a football player and as a man, like I'm in forever, you know, in debt to them, you know, what Virginia tech has done for me, I'm forever in debt to, you know, the program, the university. Um, and, you know, I'm very blessed to have gone to the best university in the freaking country. Um, and to get an education, a world-class education and, you know, to play for a program that's, you know, known, all around the, the country is, you know, crazy people, you know, jumping up and down to enter Sandman and having the best interest in college football and just the atmosphere. Um, you know, it was kind of hard to, to leave that, you know, leave it on the wayside and, and move on. But, you know, I'm happy where I'm at right now, um, you know, and kind of being involved around football, you know, I think that's helped me a lot with, coping with me not playing. Okay. Uh, I think that's a lot of, you know, football coaches, like they get into coaching, you know, because they just love the game of football and they don't know what their life would be like if they didn't have it. So. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to get rid of that itch. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's always there. Even, I mean, part, part of the reason that I love doing this is that it kind of still gives me an opportunity to be, you know, a part of that world. So it, it, you know, you never really lose it once you once you get it. So I definitely see that. We had a, we had another listener. Uh, he's got a question. You, you know, we, we talked about the your end time in Blacksburg. Let's talk about kind of what led up to that. What did you like about Fork Union the time the time you spent there? Yeah, I mean, we we hear about Fork Union. It's a military boarding school, all dudes, and you know, you would think that would suck, but you know, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, it, as long as you were you know behaved and you were disciplined and things like that you know it was it was easy um but you know coach schumann uh over there you know he he's a legend um you know he he helped me get to where i needed to get to um and without him you know i don't know if i was you know going to be sitting here talking with you guys with all this hokey stuff in the background, you know, and having the career that I had at Tech. Um, so, you know, it was it was a neat experience, very humbling experience. Um, but, you know, I don't know what my life would be like if I didn't kind of take that little detour to get to my final destination. So I shout out to Coach Schumann. Um, you know, he, he's he's a he's a goat. Yeah, a, a lot of some of the the, the, the tech greats have, have taken that path through Fork Union, so definitely uh, kudos to uh, Coach Schumann there. Let's uh, let's pivot a little bit here and talk about last year's offensive line and kind of what this year's offensive line is going to look like for the Hokies. You know, you were part of 
arguably, you know, definitely the, probably the, one of the better offensive lines in the last decade uh, yeah. at Virginia Tech. You know, few pieces have moved on, you know, one way or other there. But, uh, you know, kind of what are your expectations for that unit for 2021? Oh, man, I, I mean – I don't think they'll skip a beat. I mean, you got a lot of guys returning. You know, Brock Hoffman, arguably the best center in the ACC. Um, you know, top ten, top fifteen in the country. Um, and you know, you got Lasita Smith, and you know Luke Tenuta. Um, you know, he's come a long way. And you know, I'm glad those guys are reaping the rewards. Um, you know, Silas Janzy too. And of course, old man juice, you know, <laughs> um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys in there in that room that have experience and, you know, there's some veteran leadership in that room and, you know, they're going to bring those young guys along and they're going to help those young guys develop and, you know, leave that office line room better, you know, when they found it, you know? Um, so I'm very excited um, what they're going to do, their hardworking group, you know, they're going to, they're going to grind and, you know, they're going to put the team on their back. You know, the, t- the team goes as the offensive line goes. And, uh, you know, so there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to, you know, keep rolling on that vice squad train for sure. Nice. nice. Now, speaking of the vice squad, you know, we've seen a lot of coach vice, you know, mm-hmm. he's one of those outspoken guys. You, you, we saw the video this year. Um, you know, that Pokey Vision did, which was great, great insight to it. But we haven't seen as much interaction from Coach Cornelison. You know, behind the scenes, coaching perspective, how do they compare to one another? And, you know, what's something maybe a little different about Coach Corn compared to Coach Vice? I mean, yeah, they're very smart coaches. Um, you know, I know some people have different opinions about Coach Cornelison. Um but, you know, at the end of the day, the, the guy knows what he's doing. Like, he wouldn't be in that position, you know, if he didn't know what he was doing. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, had a Zoom meeting with him not too long ago, you know, kind of pick his brain since, you know, I got that JV officer coordinator role, you know, kind of just, you know, see his, you know, way of seeing the game. And, um, you know, I always – trusted corn um, with everything he did with the offense and uh, you know, but vice is that more outgoing, you know, very vocal. Um, if you know what I mean, yeah. uh, you know, funny as all get out, I would say it's him and coach uh, she best is like the funniest coaches, uh, you know, on that staff. Um, but, you know, they really do care about the, you know, the players and their development, you know, on and off the field. And I mean, the whole staff does, but, you know, in terms of these guys, you know, they're, they're very smart coaches, you know, they're, they know what they're doing. Um, Cornelson is kind of, you know, I would say more laid, laid back, if that makes sense. Um, when he, when he like talks to the, you know, offensive unit on like Sunday meetings, he was like, all right, man, you know, we had a good game or a bad game this week, you know, and he puts it on himself and, like, he'll take the bullets, um, you know, like every coach should. And, um, 
but you know they work so hard and um you know i appreciate both of them a lot and but you know um, when when coach corn gets mad like he, he'll raise some hell but you know but <laughs> vice is you know that constant you know fired up mojo and you know, he's got that haircut and the backwards hat and the sunglasses. You know. He's fired up whether he's yelling at you or joking with you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trust me. Like, you just want to talk about, you know, Vice off the record, you know, about some, I got some great stories. Um, but We're uh, taking you up on that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, some great stories with Vice. And, but yeah, like, Corn's a little bit more. Bill Belichick, like in terms of like talking tone, but then he'll also, you know, get after you and chew you out, you know, if you mess up. Um, but yeah, they're, they're both great coaches and, you know, they bring their, you know, own style and personality, you know, and I think it's kind of good to have different kinds of personality and, you know, different ways of coaching um, to the team. So uh, yeah, I mean, great coaches, but, you know, two different personalities, in my opinion. Gotcha. That makes sense, too. I mean, yeah. we, we kind of get that, but, you know, not having quite seen as much of uh, of Coach Cornelson, it's kind of good to, you know, give give fans and things like that some some other perspectives there. So that's why we wanted to to touch on that a little bit. Um, let's let's pivot a little bit to a little bit more about you. Um, you know, you kind of came to you came to Virginia Tech as a preferred walk on, but you earned a scholarship while you were in Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that feeling like when when coach let you know you were a scholarship athlete? I mean, I mean it's probably the most like achieving thing I've ever done in my athletic career. Um, you know, I was you know under recruited. You know, basically for my height, like I'm only six two. Um, you know, I never really understood. Um, you know, why the height thing was a huge issue. And when when I was in the recruiting process, you know, I'm looking at the depth charts of, like, every school that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I saw Tech, you know, they had, uh, you know, Caleb Ferris, Kyle Chung, and Eric Gallo, where they're, like, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, guys. And I'm like, okay, like, if Tech says I'm too short, then I know that's complete bullshit. You know? <laughs> um, and so – you know, that's what I really what I got. And, you know, I got a scholarship offer to JMU. Um, but then that kind of blew up. And that's a whole different story within itself. But then Shane Beamer, uh, Shane Beamer recruited me and, you know, gave me the preferred walk-on spot. And, you know, obviously I knew that Tech had a good history with walk-ons and rewarding them for hard work and, you know, and being talented and getting out there on the field. And, you know, hence again. You know, my boss, Sam Rogers, um, you know, was an example of that. You know, he wasn't on there very long, but, um, Mm -mm. you know, so I knew that, like, I had a shot, right? But then I was at Fort Union, and Beamer retires, and then here comes this coach from Memphis who I knew nothing about, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was with Fuente since day one. I mean – talking about like January 2016 like I was with him like day one and you know to kind of go on that journey with him and that staff and you know 
I gave everything I had, and I knew I was like, if I do get it one day, like the train's not going to stop. Like I'm not going to be satisfied. Yeah, you know, there's more things on my checklist that I need to check off. And uh, but that was like the number one thing. And uh, you know, it was towards the end of the camp. Uh, I want to say 2019. And you know, I'm kind of out of it. You know, it was long day, and you know, we're about to break out of this team meeting and uh, basically kind of just close camp. And, uh, you know, he said, I need Ish and, you know, Caleb Smith and Austin Cannon in my office. And initially I'm thinking, hold up. (laughs) When you get called into the coach's office, it's usually not a, a good thing. You know, most of the time it's not a good thing. So I'm like, what did I do? I don't know what I did. So there was kind of like that anxiety, that kind of, you know, panic for a quick second. And then he paused and then he said, just sign your scholarships. And the whole team, you know, team meeting room erupted. And, you know, I'm getting swamped by a bunch of teammates with hugs and high fives. And, um, you know, it took me a little bit to kind of realize and process like what the hell is going on. And, you know, when I sat down in front of, Fuente in his office to sign, you know, the piece of paper. I mean, the the pen was just shaking in my hand because I'm like, holy crap, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Because when I had my little signing day, you know, mm-hmm. I just had like a Word document saying like I was going to Virginia Tech and like just <laughs> signed it for the photo op and all that stuff. But to actually do it for real, mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, pinch me. I think I'm dreaming right now. Um, and you know, it was, you know, my parents were on their 25th, you know, wedding anniversary vacation down in St. Martin and somehow, some way I got a hold of them and, you know, I just broke down crying in my car, um, you know, and they couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, it just, it was surreal. It was a surreal moment and, you know, I'll never forget it. Well, I'm sitting here thinking about when he says, Ish, Cannon, Caleb, y'all need to be in my office. Like, how long did he wait? Because like, I'm sure the whole room, ooh, ooh, There like, was a pregnant pause. Yeah, like, it, it was probably, like, a solid, like, close to, like, 10 seconds. You oh, know? gosh. But like, but, like, it was, like, I mean, I mean, it could have been shorter, but when you hear your name called, you know, that – Again, like that panic sets in, and what did I do? <laughs> yeah, and then, like that long pause is longer than you think, you know, than it actually was. And uh, and then he said it, and I mean, it was it was awesome. Like it was awesome. That's, That's all so I cool, say. Man. All right, so we're gonna do a couple little fun questions here. Um, the first one's real simple. It's a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Two words. Tots rails. Yes. Yes. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yes. But <laughs> for, for my rookies out there, to all my young hokies who are just turning 21, you have two things to do. All right. When you turn 21, the first place you go to is Tots. The first thing you order is a rail. And I should say three. Third thing. Don't get too many of those. Oh no! no, no. <laughs> oh no! 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 You know I'm a I'm a Jack Daniels guy at heart. Um, love me some Jack Daniels, 
But, you know, hey, a nice toss rail would, you know, would be nice right now, too. Um, so, yeah, yes to toss rails. Be smart. And that's the first thing you go to when you when you turn 21. Todd's rails will sneak up on you. It will. Yep. And you're like, oh man, like this isn't bad. And like, I'm doing great. And all of a sudden, boom. And it's like, <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Cool. Well, I was, I was drinking those sitting down. Now I got, got a little sponge leg going on. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Brian. You got a question for him. Yeah. So, I mean, you got well, well acquainted with the restaurants in Blacksburg, I'm sure, while you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the go-to spots for like the lineman lunches or like the victory meals after a, a big win? Um, you know, we, my senior year, um, you know, me and, you know, a couple guys, you know, we went to, you know, certain places. Um, I know Bull and Bones was one of them. Um, we had uh, Blacksburg Tavern. That's really good. If, you haven't been there? Go there. They had some really great food. I'm um, check that out. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> but um, it's not. In the, but this place though is like the holy mecca. All right, and it's not even in Blacksburg. It's like right outside. You know, um, home place. R.I.P. Home place. You know, it sucks that they had to close because of COVID. Um, but as an O-line, you know, the entire offensive line, we would go there, um, you know, late July, kind of like right before camp. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Southern Comfort Food fried chicken, you know, turkey, mm-hmm. ham, mashed potatoes, green beans, and the rolls. Um, but it was like an endless amount. Like, they just kept coming, you know, until you were like, okay, I'm done. And you could just see – the, the servers and the cooks and all that stuff. And, like, when they know that the office line showed up, they, they start, you know, sweating, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's going to be a long, long next hour and a half. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we, we would actually get uh, the freshman O-line, and it's kind of like a little initiation. You know, we'll get the the bowl of gravy that you would pour in uh, your mashed potatoes, and each of them would have to take, like, a humongous gulp of it, you know, out of the bowl. Um <laughs> So it, you know, y'all were treating gravy like uh, in Super Troopers, they were treating maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know that that's a you know a thing that offensive line has done for a long time, and you know it's unfortunate that you know that place had to you know shut down you know because of certain circumstances. But yeah, uh, I'm sure they're gonna find somewhere else to kind of hold that tradition and. Um, but yeah, that one for sure is like top notch. All right, I'm. A, I'm a, I don't know if you know about this place. You ever been to Tanglewood Ordinary out in Goochland? Mm-mm. You need to go there because okay. it's almost exactly like home place. It's southern, southern cooked food, family style, biscuits, fried chicken, pork roast, green, and they continuously bring it out to you. And they don't stop. So if you need to take your offensive <laughs> lineman, I know it might be a hike from Mechanicsville. <laughs> Anglewood Ordinary out in Goochland, I recommend it. I've been there several times. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want to kind of hit, kind of hit some with you here. You know, you've been very, very open about you know your battles with anxiety, depression, and and we've seen you know some mobiles 
last week, Naomi Osaka, and other folks as well, but those two were really brought to life a ton. You know, what message do you have for athletes out there listening, you know, about who are experiencing these mental health issues from your perspective? And, you know, what sort of advice would you like to give them? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Um, you know, there's like this stigma, you know, especially with football players, you know, you're you're tough, you show no emotion, things like that. And I think that's, you know, kind of been pushed for as long as football has been around. And, you know, there's been guys that have battled anxiety and depression but never really talked about it because they, you know, were scared or, you know, they feared that they would be viewed as soft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I always believe that, you know, you know, when God made us, you know, he gave us emotion, right? He gave us the emotion to love, to grieve, to be happy, to be sad. And if we didn't have those emotions, then we would be robots, you know, and we're not robots. Um, so it's, you know, it's okay not to be okay, but it, you know, most importantly, you know, you have to speak up about what you're going through. You know, you can't bottle everything up. And that's the mistake that I made. You know, I had all these huge events kind of happen in such a short amount of time um, that, you know, I just felt like I couldn't handle it any longer and I didn't really talk about it. And, you know, I try to, you know, in my own life. And, you know, I think in a couple of days here, I think it'll be the five year anniversary of that moment. And, you know, I still got the scar on my thigh. And, you know, it's kind of like a daily reminder of where I've been, you know, the lowest point of my life to where I am right now. And, you know, I'm very blessed to be sitting here with you guys right now because five years ago, you know, what if I didn't make it out? Um, and so to, to all those athletes that, you know, have a lot on their mind and on their plate, you know, find somebody to talk to, you know, whether it's your friends, your family, you know, they're not going to view you as soft or anything different, right? Because, you know, they're a true friend. They're going to care for you no matter what, and your family is going to support you and love you no matter what. And, so, you know, to kind of get this snowball going in terms of talking about mental health, you know, it's a two-way street. You know, the athletes or anybody has to go out there and, and be open about it, be willing to be open about it. And, you know, on the other side, you know, if you're a friend or a family member and you kind of notice, you know, that something's kind of off about your friend or your family member, you know, go to them like, hey, are you are you doing okay? Like, I'm I'm here for you. Um, I'm, you know, just be a listening ear. You know, you might not have all the answers and the best advice in the world, and that's totally okay. But just be a listening ear, and you know, just be, you know, create an environment where, you know, these people that are struggling mentally, you know, have their voices be heard. Um, so you know, that, that's my advice to anyone that who's, you know, secretly kind of, you know, battling mental issues, you know, I encourage them to go talk to 
a family member or friend or even, you know, a counselor or therapist. Um, and it's, you know, I, for me personally, I think it's a lot better when I go and I talk about what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, um, and kind of get it off my chest rather than, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know what, this is not a big deal to anybody. Like, you know, I just keep it to myself because, you know, life is going to be hard. You know, the real world is is hard. It's cruel. It will beat you down to your knees. But, you know, what's worse is, you know, battling yourself, you know, you versus you. And, you know, you're going to need that support system. And that support system is there, you know, but you just got to go out there and be willing to, you know, use that support system. Yeah. And I feel like football, even more so than probably some other sports, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, not being okay, like that has always seemed like to be focused on, okay, well, you know, you, you need some time because you, you have an injury, you're concussed, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the mental health aspect never really gets talked about the way it should. And I feel like that that's that's an unfortunate situation because it does kind of condition people to either try to deal with it themselves and bottle it up like you were talking about there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was just <clears throat> it was hard for me <clears throat> because, you know, I was always viewed as that, you know, that tough guy, you know, on the field, you know. And, you know, off the field, you know, I'm a guy that can talk to anybody, you know, and hang out and be a laid back kind of guy. But, you know, I never really talked about my personal issues. And, you know, and I regretted that, you know, mm-hmm. looking back on it, I regretted it because then I wouldn't have had that that event happen, you know, five years ago. And but, you know, you live and you learn. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that mental health is being talked more and more now. And, you know, it, it goes beyond, you know, being, you know, this stereotype of being a tough guy and all that kind of stuff, like your mental health comes first. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that this discussion of mental health is being brought into the spotlight especially, you know, with all that Olympic stuff happening with uh, Biles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin, you just said something, and if that doesn't happen to you five years ago, you aren't an advocate now. And for someone like you who's going into coaching is going to be around a lot of young people, man, I think you're going to have kids just feel so comfortable coming up to you knowing he went through it. He speaks out about it. He constantly tells us, hey, if something's going on, come to me. I'm your person. And, and dude, it, it, it takes a man to talk about the stuff you've talked about and to be so open with it. And I applaud you, dude, because there's a lot of us not strong. And I think your influence and, you know, I'm going to say for the whole RBA, you're coaching up in Hanover, but I think your story is going to get to other parts of the RBA. And I'm going to, you know, I just applaud you, man. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, before we close up here tonight, you have some guys you want to kind of shout out to real quick. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Football camps. 
Yeah, shout out to Hanover High School, man. We're we're about to get ready to go. Uh, we're excited to play some football in the fall, not in the spring. And uh, there we go, back where uh, it's supposed to be. Yeah, uh, and you know, shout out to my boys, uh, Alec Eberly and Nick Clark. Um, you know, they run their own sports uh, sports performance gym, uh, Siege Performance in Mechanicsville, uh, right off of three hundred one uh, behind the Wawa. Um, and also their Hogs Academy. Um, you know, if you're a young offensive lineman and you want to get better, uh, go to them. You know, and, you know they're doing a great job with that, and uh, you know they're they're the best place for for that in, uh, in the RVA. So shout out to them. Go to them. Get better. Awesome man. Well, Austin, we appreciate you joining us tonight. And that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website at boundarycornerbt.com and listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, subscribe on YouTube to our account. Also, subscribe to your favorite podcast, Spotify, Amazon, Apple. We are on all of them. If you're looking to join the Hokie Club and achieve the Reach for Excellent campaign, Please visit BoundaryCornerVT.com forward slash giving to get started. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long down in the NRV play us out this weekend, Saturday. He will be at the Grandin Village Farmer's Market, so go check our boy out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music as well. We thank you all for listening and watching tonight. And as always, let's go. Hokies! Hokies.